My husband, because of PTSD, as a result of the war, he went to Afghanistan. He ended his own life. He just couldn't manage his current life with the PTSD, and it all became overwhelming for him. And he lost hope and thought that was his only way out. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey there, and welcome to the Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isberger. And we are happy to be here with you today. Yes, we are raw, real, transparent. Authentic. Authentic. Yes. What other words can we come up with? Because Lovely. Are, She's lovely. Yes, those That's are some of the guest. words that describe the person who's going to share their story today that I think you're going to find very intriguing. I think you're going to find lots of hope and encouragement in her story as well. Yes, and one of the things that she said... Uh, outside of the interview that I wanted to bring in is that she said that she didn't go to the phone. She went to the throne in order to get through her uh, situation and circumstance. So Michelle Arnoldy is a mentor at heart for 10 plus years. She has formally spoken into people's lives, molding them personally and professionally. Her life goal is never to stop growing herself to add value to others. And her passion is living well with purpose and intentionally helping others to do the same. Yeah, Michelle worked as an RN for nearly four decades, uh, primarily in ER departments. And uh, she wrote a memoir now spanning her 20-year difficult marriage to her late husband, Chris. And she shares a strong message of hope during the tragedy of his death, her vulnerability with intermarriage trials, the, the challenges of mental illness, the, the truth of her faith journey, and how her faith sustained her all throughout that period of time. Yeah, and that memoir is called His Last Breath, A Soldier, His Wife, and The Man That Saved Them Both. But Michelle is a proud mother of three sons and two daughters in love and five little grandlittles is what she calls them, grandlittles. That's cute. She lives hilltop in an old English cottage in South Minneapolis with her two doggy roommates, Macy and Sadie. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Michelle Arnoldy, to the show, to your biggest Thank breakthrough. You. We yeah. are so happy to have you. Great to have I'm you. I'm happy to be here. Wow, this... we're looking forward to your story. Yeah, uh, we no. really are. It's a good one. Yeah, you know, Your Biggest Breakthrough is a podcast where we share about breakthrough stories, right? And we mm -hmm. offer a place, um, really, we offer hope, hopefully, to people that are listening, um, that hopefully your story or some of the other stories we've brought in, that, that people can apply the principles to maybe a circumstance they're going through. But mm -hmm. we want to know what personal breakthrough story has brought you here with us today. Wow, that's a broad question for me. I have so right many. Right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I went through something recent, well, fairly recently in the last four years, where um, my husband struggled with mental illness. And um, it was a journey that we had together that was very, very difficult. And I kept praying for breakthrough for him, for healing. And the healing came, but not certainly in the way that I thought it would have. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to, you know, have a lot of time with the Lord for that. 
uh, with that and have processed that. And I can say that um, I'm in a very good place. Uh, but my husband, um, because of PTSD, uh, as a result of the war, he went to Afghanistan. He ended his own life. Um, he just couldn't manage his current life with the PTSD, and it all became overwhelming for him. And he lost hope and thought that was his only way out. Yeah. So let's back up, right, to, mm -hmm. to the beginning of, of your marriage and your husband's name, uh, Chris. Chris, yeah. Yes. So let's yes. back up to the very beginning of, of this marriage. Let's set the stage of, of what kind of marriage was it? What um, mm -hmm. Did you guys go to church? How was your faith? Like, let's kind of talk through the whole thing. And then what in the world prompted him to, to uh, go back into the military? So. Yeah, good question. We, um, we met and dated three years. And when I first met Chris, it was through a work thing and he didn't know Jesus. And so my, when I met him, I just wanted him to know Jesus. I didn't really care if he knew me. <laughs> so so let me just apparently stop. he let wanted me, to know me. Hey, Michelle, let me stop you there for just a moment. Yeah. So how come you wanted him to know Jesus so much? I mean, what, what was it about you and your faith? Where did that come from? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I have been a Jesus lover for 40 years. Ah, and, okay. Uh, my journey has been, uh, you know, started off with total humility and surrender when I realized the depravity of my sin and I understood the holiness of God. And when I put those two together, I was in awe of what he did for me, a wretched sinner and why me? And I was so humbled by that and it broke me. It just broke me. So when I came to know Jesus, nobody led me to Jesus, but Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit himself wow. that told me, you need me. So I repented, got on my knees, and I told him all of the things that I could think of that I knew were sin against him, that I contributed to those nails in his hands. And I wept and wept over my life. And it wasn't going well anyway. I was heading down the wrong road. So I repented and I said, okay, I'm going to make this commitment to you right now that I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to do life your way because my way is not working. That's <laughs> so, such an amazing example of God's uh, relentless love and his mercy. I mean, he was reaching out to you. I love that. And you, yeah. you were thankfully in a place where you wanted to respond to him. But I just want to... You know, we just got to pause for a moment and say, this is the goodness and the yeah, grace and yeah. the love of our Father and in he heaven. Chases, chases us. down. Yeah, exactly. How good is that? Chases the one. Because there might be, Michelle, there might be somebody listening who says, well, okay, I get that. And I have a relationship with the Lord, but I've got a loved one in my family and I, I need God to chase that person. So you've just offered a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement. Yeah. God wants yeah. to do that and will do that. And all you have to do is look up, just stop and feel him chasing you and quit fighting it. Yes. Just, yes. I'm here. Cause you know what? We think, we, we think that once we meet him there, that it's not going to be what we want, mm -hmm. but it ultimately is what we want. Cause that's yeah. how we're created is and to what want we need, right. And what we need. Yes. So, well, um, I love, was, I love how beautiful and, and just how sweet uh, the Lord is to each and every one of us that have a story, right? We all have a story, but yeah. your story is, um, is unraveling here as we are sharing your story here on your biggest breakthrough, but you met Chris at a work event mm -hmm. and I'm going to just say this right out of the gate. 
because um, maybe the listeners are already kind of scratching, scratching their head. So he was not a believer. So it was kind of an unequally yoked situation. Oh, totally. In the beginning. Oh, totally. Okay. Well, I, I sensed that there was an attraction from him to me, but I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not going there. Not interested in that. But I'm always looking for opportunities to share Jesus. So he used to come into my office and sit down. At the time, I'm actually a trauma nurse for many years, but I took a hiatus from that because of scheduling and was a mortgage broker for a while. And he worked for a bank. So he would come and sit in my office and say, well, do you have any questions about our products? And, and then he'd you know, weasel in some personal questions. <laughs> and I was all about Jesus. So I would, you know, I could weasel Jesus into everything we talked about. <laughs> And um, we ended up going on a bike ride. And then I shared, you know, the depths out of the office uh, of my faith. And he was very intrigued by it all. Mm. And so one day he called me on the phone in the office and he said, I'm feeling really anxious and I don't know why something's happening to me. And it's mm. all related to what you've told me about Jesus. And I don't know what to do with it. Mm. And I said, well... Uh, why don't, and I had already invited him to my church. So he was attending. Um, and I said, why don't you call Ben, one of our pastors and just talk to him, see if he's available. So quickly I called Ben and said, Hey, get ready. Chris, I got a hot one. I got a live one. He did and talked to Chris and then Chris did make a faith commitment at that time. Mm. So then our friend, we were still just friends and he was interested in Jesus. So it was really more about him um, learning this man, Jesus and who he is and starting Bible studies and that kind of thing. And eventually we morphed into a dating relationship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So started out as friends and then, yeah. um, so he, he became a lover of Jesus and, and that's beautiful. And so you two decided at, at some point that, wow, we are really meant to be together and you got married. And I, how long were you two married? 20 years, 20 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at what point within that marriage did your husband decide to go off to war? And so how shocking would we that were, be? We were 10 years into the marriage when we went on a mission trip together uh, through our church. And while he was there, he came home with this idea that I got to go back into the army. And I'm like, and he did do army right out of high school, non-war time. It was after the Vietnam War. So I said, why? And he goes, I don't know, just being on the mission trip and helping and seeing, you know, serving and changing mm -hmm. lives. He said, I just feel like I want to do more of that. And I said, well, let's just do more mission trips. Right. Said, well, I got to go back in the army. I got to go back in the army. And I'm like, but I don't think that's a good idea. And so I prayed about it and I talked to him about it. His job was a corporate job is very demanding. And he was on the road traveling all the time. I did not get enough of him. So my viewpoint was if you're distracted all the time and you're elsewhere, if you add army, that gets another thing that you're going to be, you know, I'm going to see your back going away from me and I need to draw closer to you. Hmm. I mean, I was upset about it. I, I, this was not a, uh, a little thing because it I wasn't, wasn't a joint decision. Yeah, no. So we argued about it for a full year. It was one year argument where it would like we table it for a few days and then it would come up. And at the time we're teaching a class at our church 
on love and respect. So I would go and say, well, I wasn't very respectful this week when I talked to Chris about the army and I would go, I was, you know, and then he'd go, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I was very loving. So we're so honest at this class. People are like, oh my gosh, this couple, they're really therapy for you guys. Oh, man, they're living it out in front of us. Okay. Yes. Um, so finally, after about a year, because um, it was, there was a time limit to when he could sign up because he had to be under 45. And so he was about to turn 45 a month before then. And, and I knew we had to resolve this. So I invited him to our pond where I built a bonfire and we sat down there and I said, we're not leaving until we get this figured out. We talked for hours and I asked him all the questions um, to understand. And he answered them all as best as he could. And at the end, I said, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I do understand one thing, that if I don't say yes, I think you will resent me for that decision for a long time. And that I don't want. So I'm going to say yes, because I don't feel I can say no. Wow. That takes a lot of courage. So I think, you know, I think that is a, just a very valid point to make in every marriage. And that is, well, you may have completely opposite views with your spouse. And what you see you believe would be best for your spouse and what they see they believe would be best for them. But yeah. to come to a place where you're willing, even if you've got to go through a whole year's worth of going back and forth, to come to that place where you're just making certain there's going to be a decision. We're not going to keep going like this. A decision right. has to be made. Michelle, I got to say, I, I mean, I commend you for your willingness to surrender because you were between a rock and a hard place. You had to choose. You just didn't have good choices. And mm -hmm. so for you to surrender and say, I'll, I'll let you go must have been a very painful, difficult process that you went through, but you did, you let him go. I did it. Yes. So pick up the um, story. What happened next? He goes and he well, enlists I, at age 45. Yes. Well, let, let me add something to what you just said, Todd, is the hard part wasn't saying, okay, I'm going to say yes. The hard part was not to punish him uh, after mm. I said yes. Oh, that's honest. Wow. wow Michelle. Yeah, I, you know, how do we punish our spouses? I could have done that. And I said, if I'm signing, so the, he needed my signature on the papers for him to re-enlist. And when I signed that, I knew I am signing away my negative attitude. Mm. If I'm saying yes, I'm saying yes. Just like when we say yes to Jesus, we have to realize what we're going to say no to. And I said, if I'm saying yes to the army, I'm saying no to being resentful, being bitter, punishing you making you suffer because, you know, I'm in this situation. Wow. I, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be supportive. And did he feel like he was hearing from the Lord, like you are to go and enlist? No. no. Okay. Mm -mm. Hmm, so it was it just was more of a. Completely from the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. That's difficult. That's difficult. Yeah. So, so he goes and he enlists at age 45. Can't and, even imagine. Yes. Um, and so he's basically doing army on the weekend. So he gets all dressed up in his gear and he goes away, you know, to the other end of the city and they do whatever they do. And so when he would come back at the end of the weekend, I would say, you know, so tell me about it. What'd you learn? Who'd you meet? And, you know, have the debrief. So this went on for two years. And I, I, that's when I feel good about where the Holy Spirit really showed me 
you have to be supportive that now that you've agreed to do this. So, um, and then one day he comes back after a weekend and says, say, Michelle, our unit may deploy to Afghanistan. And I'm like, army reserves, really? What? Huh? How? Wait, I didn't sign up for that part. <laughs> yeah. And he said, yep, looks like, you know, we're not sure yet. And I'm just like, wow. So more things to pray about. So I'm praying that this doesn't happen. And a few, I'd say a few months later, he comes home and says, well, guess what? The um, army, we're not going to deploy. Our unit is not deploying. And I'm like, well, that's good. And he says, but I want to. I'm like, you want to? And he goes, yeah. And I go, like, by yourself? And he said, yeah, I can go as an independent contractor. Wow. And I want to do it. I wonder and like, what that oh. drive was all about, like, to... Yeah. Interesting. I think it was significance. Mm. I think he was always searching for, he wanted to feel valued. He wanted to feel like that he made a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, often... and I think being a husband and being a child of God for him wasn't enough. Mm. Interesting. Wow. So, so he was already struggling internally, maybe in ways that he wasn't, uh, wasn't even aware of. Right. Uh, able to articulate, right. Yeah. Right. Off to Afghanistan, he goes. And then, so how long were you guys apart and what was happening? During he was that there, um, he was supposed to be gone nine months, but he was there eight months and um, it was rough. It, well, first of all, when he decided to go, they didn't need my signature to go to Afghanistan. They just needed my signature for him to... <laughs> to re-enlist. So um, it was very difficult for me because I had very good reasons why I did not want him to go. And I wasn't hearing the Lord was saying to me, no, no, no. And I was telling him that, that this is not good. This is not what God's will. And he just went anyway. And what was his position, his role uh, when he was over in Afghanistan? <laughs> Well, when you're in a, he was an executive at his current job. And so when you, so he had gray hair and he went as a person to kind of more of a PR person to build a relationship with the leaders of these different villages that they have throughout Afghanistan and in the mountains. So every village has usually the eldest, the oldest man in the villages is their leader and he just to build a relationship with them and to hear what their needs are and kind of negotiate provide. Hmm? What, did he negotiate at all or just kind I of don't actually know um, a lot of what he did but I just know it was to build trust hmm. and to kind of talk to these leaders and say hey you know the Taliban want you to be a part of their team and they are provide there's promising you all these promises and they're not going to fulfill those promises and in fact, they're going to take your children and make them soldiers. So you don't want that. And the army, the U.S. Army will give you what you need for your village, food, water, protection, all the things. Wow. Yeah. You think um, with his, I mean, God wastes nothing, right? In the sense right. of his skills in the corporate world and right. how he was able to go to Afghanistan and utilize those skills. And and you got to wonder, I mean, we'll only know uh, on the other side of this life, but the impact of the people that he met and the, the village people of, you know, his impact mm -hmm. while he was there. It's just mm -hmm. something I just thought of, but yeah. So, so you guys were apart for eight months. Was that a 
pretty big strain on your marriage. Did you feel the strain? Did he feel the strain? Oh, Todd, Todd, Todd. (laughs) Strain. It was like in my mind, it was over. Yeah. Because I'm thinking he left me. Mm. I did not want him to go. I I literally sat at his feet when he made the decision. I am going, and I bawled at his lap and said, "Don't do this. Don't do this." This is not what the Lord wants. This is not what I want. I'm feeling like you're abandoning me. Mm. So kind of like throughout our marriage, those 10 years, he always planned. His goals were something apart from me. He had high career goals. He had goals of wanting to be a good hunter, wanting, you know, all his sportsman things. You know, so we, and then he wanted a motorcycle. So he'd get on his motorcycle and I'd see him drive away. So it's always his back going away from me. And I'm wanting to draw close to him. I needed my husband. I wanted my husband. I loved my husband. I wanted relationship with him. And at some point when we first got married, we were. And then within two years, he saw his potential for career. And he climbed that corporate ladder very quickly and was very successful. Mm-hmm. And man, that was his prize. Interesting. Did you uh, have children together? No, we no, didn't. Okay. I think about when you were yeah. weeping at his feet, begging him not to go. Did you think about when you had signed that piece of paper saying, I will not be resentful, I will not be all the things when he wanted to enlist? Did that negate that signature at this point? No. Because to me, they weren't even the same thing right. to go play. I called it play army. That's disrespectful. It, it, he went to train and, you know, and, and now go to war. This is war. This yeah. isn't a game. Right. right. I think, and I would say to him, do you understand what you're signing up for? Do you realize what you're doing? Mm. And he would say yes. But then when he got there and he called me, he said, I didn't think this through. Wow. Wow. So he's eight months over there serving. The marriage is strained the entire time. You're having to deal with your own emotions and push back the feelings of abandonment, all those other things. Yeah. Uh, and whatever he was processing. Um, but he comes back. What happened when you guys reunited? Well, we didn't talk very often. We only talked um, like every six to eight weeks mm. because of the phone system and He had to buy a phone and buy minutes and half the time it was, you know, we could barely hear each other, but there were some poignant conversations that we had. And I, I also had to use self-control to not be resentful when I talked to him on the phone. I, in my mind, the marriage was over. So I didn't want him to know that at the time because he's fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need that added strain. So I didn't present that to him. So every time he call, I would have to pray, Lord, help me be gracious, help me be kind, help me not create a situation where he's going to be really worried about what's happening at home. Mm-hmm. Also, though, you're not going to want to lead him on and everything's a okay here either. So I had to be, right. gen- you know, I had to be real. So it was this balance thing that was difficult. So he would call and I would hear him out and he would often say, hey, we're going on a, uh, a raid, he called him, and please, you know, pray for me. I'm scared. He would, and I'd say, okay, I'll pray for you. And I'd pray over the phone with him and 
we'd get off and then I would hear from six weeks. So I don't really know what would happen, you know, during the raid. Wow. So these raids were just, you know, it was close combat within a home trying to eliminate the men that built the roadsides bomb that actually are killing our soldiers. So he ended up getting involved in that serendipitously. Wow. Yeah. So, but how emotion, what an emotional roller coaster to go through, um, him obviously, but you being yeah. here and not knowing, is he alive? Is he dead? Is he, you know, what, what's happening? So, so, so I could be, yeah, I, if I could be really honest, cause yeah. you said that Wendy. Yeah is I, I actually prayed that he'd come home in a box because wow. that would be easier for me. Hmm. That's, that's where I was at. That's honest. Wow. So how did you get through that? How, how hmm? did you get to, how did you get to the other side of that? Is it after he came home? Well, I think to hear he was coming home, there was huge relief. So it's, you're, you know, you have your flesh, you have your, your broken heart, you have your faith, you know, you, it's all in me. And it's so hard sometimes to separate it all out. I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. And it's not like I could call somebody at my church and say, hey, how did you handle this? I didn't know anybody who was in there. I, you know, in there, I'm older than he is. I was in my 50s. He's in his 40s. He's in Afghanistan, you know, as a as a combat soldier, voluntarily, and I'm home. I, I, yeah, I had nobody. I didn't know how to reconcile that. So all I, I had was Jesus. Very alone and abandoned. Yeah, all I had was Jesus, and all I could do was talk to him. He knew. He knew, and I was so honest with him. That's all I could be. This is where I'm at, and I said, Lord, if you. If you end his life there, if his last day is there and he comes home in a box, it would be a lot easier for me because I don't know what I'm going to do. Wow. Wow. That's so yeah. just raw, authentic and real. So thank you for sharing. And and so he did. He came back um, he did. alive and well. And so those those moments of reuniting, uh, how did that that play out and then t walk us through his PTSD and uh, those moments? Well, I picked him up at the airport and. I remember my hair was really long when he went in, when he left, it was like your length, Wendy. Yeah. And I cut it this length. And, and I thought I do that because whenever there's been a major change inside of me, when the Lord transforms, I always want to do something on the outside, mm. represent that. Like I'm a new creature now. So when I picked him up, I was stronger because of my time with the Lord and him preparing me for his return. But I was still in this place of, I want a new husband. The one that I had was not a husband. And I want a new husband. And if it's, you know, in the same skin, okay. If not, okay. You know, Lord, that's your decision. So I picked him up and it was a, you know, I was open but closed. I was cautious of, you know, greeting him but I was very, very happy to see him alive, you know, because mm. I remember when he walked down the gangway, when he was leaving, I remember looking at his back with the rucksack on that said Arnoldy on the back of it. I remember saying that could be the last time I ever see him, you know, wow. walking away. Yeah. So now he's walking towards me and they do let you go to the gate at that time when you're uh, army and you're a family member. 
So I was able to greet him at the gate. And um, so there were tears and I was really happy to see him. Sure. But then I also had to tell him that we were separated, Mm. that I can't, you know, there was financial issues too that I didn't know about when he went to Afghanistan. So that was another form of abandonment, leaving me penniless and you know, there was a lot of things that had happened. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of layers of a lot of layers yeah. <laughs> that you had to work through. So, so you were separated, but then uh, I know how the story goes where you guys do come back together. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, it's funny. I was like, so done with this. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to take months. If, if he's still going to be my husband, this could take a lot of months of healing and all this. And you want to know what? It didn't. Six weeks, six weeks of coffee dates. So the first two weeks we didn't see each other because he was exhausted and he didn't have any bandwidth to talk about marriage and my issues. So we didn't see each other, but then we had a coffee date and then we started dating, literally going out and getting to know each other again. And I fell in love with them in a month. You know what? I just want to put a pause. I just want to put a pin in that because whether you're uh, in a marriage that you've been separated and you go back to dating or just being in a marriage period, you should always find a way to date your spouse. And that's like proof right there. You fall right back in love with your spouse. You do. And you know what? And what I had to do is I had to bury the old marriage. Mm. It's kind of when you come a child of God and you're baptized, the old is gone and the new emerges. You could do that with a marriage. That's good. So I decided yeah. and I looked at him and said, that marriage that we had, it's gone. I want to bury that. Would you bury it with me? He said, yes, let's bury it. Let's start all over. We're on Beautiful. our first date. Hi, nice can, to meet you. My name is Michelle. <laughs> I think that can offer a lot of encouragement yes. to people who are feeling stuck right now. For whatever yeah. the reasons are, uh, no matter how much you want to justify that needs to be this way or that way. Um, God has a way of just breaking in when you seek him. And one of the things that I keep hearing in your story is you kept coming back to Jesus, even though a lot of this stuff around you wasn't making sense. sense, you didn't like it. You kept bringing yourself back to him and doing that, I think allowed the flow of grace to come your way so that when the opportunity to reconcile came, you moved on. You weren't stubbornly holding on to, well, that's never going to happen. He's never changed, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. all right. So you've got this, this new marriage, this fresh start. Uh, what happened in the following years? Can I just add to what you just said, Todd, that I think is really important to couples that are struggling is sometimes it's a lot harder to take your issues and resolve them. Let's go back. You know, that's what counselors do. Let's go back and look at what are the issues? How did you get here? And then when we figure that out, now we're going to move forward. Well, I'm a life coach and I don't do that with people. When I meet with them, I say, where do you want to be? And they go, well, I want to be here. Okay, let's get there. Let's not worry too much about the past. It's like driving a car. You look through the the windshield. You want to go forward. Yeah, you got to look in the rearview mirror occasionally for context, but you don't drive looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. Right. So let's, so what I did with Chris, what we did was let's not hash over. You went to war, you went to this, you, you, you're, I feel abandoned by you because you're a workaholic and let's not even go there. Let's just forget about all of that. Let's bury that. And let's just start all over. 
sometimes that's easier. Yeah. And that takes a, a lot of um, wisdom and a lot of maturity and a lot of grace. Uh, and so well done. Well done, Michelle. And so Chris um, had been, y'all, y'all been dating, you're back in your, your marriage. And, and what happened? When did this well, PTSD he, and the mental He needed health- a job mm-hmm. um, because he had lost his job, which is one of the reasons why he went to Afghanistan is in that two years when he was doing army, it, because it was 2008, mm-hmm. you know, that terrible time. He was a great uh, employee, but um, because of cutbacks, they let him go. So he had to get a job. And so um, he said to me, well, am I looking for a job in Minnesota or elsewhere? And I said, and I just shrugged. I don't because I never want to tell the Lord what to do, you know, but while Chris was gone one night, the Lord had woke me up early in the morning and I was crying to him and sharing. And he told me in my soul that I knew that he was going to, uh, he did tell me he was going to restore our marriage and that Chris was um, going to get a job, but it was going to be out of state, that we were leaving Minnesota and he was moving us out of Minnesota. So I knew that. So when Chris said, am I looking for a job in Minnesota or out? And that's when I went, I don't know, because I didn't want Chris to be influenced by my testimony. So he applied for something in South Carolina and there was 128 applicants and Chris got it. Wow. So he left within, and the Lord told me he would get a job within six weeks of his return. When we reunited, he got the job like the next day. And within that next week, he left and moved to South Carolina. So he was there for six months working, renting a home, and I stayed behind to sell our home. Okay. So I didn't reunite with him for six more months. Wow. Okay. So it was that time. So we had continued dating because we weren't living together. Right. And so it was phone calls and FaceTime. So it just continued to build this emotional relationship that honestly... I realized we probably never really had that depth. It gave you an opportunity to heal too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. So, um, so after South Carolina, um, then you guys moved again, we moved again. It was one of these odd stories. You know, I don't, I go, why does the Lord tell me these things? And I, the only thing I could think of is he just loves me and he wants me to have, cause he knows in my personality, I, I seem to need to know certain things for, for me to get prepared to do yeah. it. You know, like he told me I was going to leave Minnesota. So I had several months knowing that before, you know, it ever even happened. So when it came time for me to go, I'm like, I'm all about it. I'm ready. You were this prepared. Yeah. That's, that's so I sweet. loved living in the Carolinas, although I was away from my friends and family. But as far as a place to live, it's amazing. Yeah. And I was um, praying for my husband one morning and I felt the Lord say, I'm moving you now to Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm like, Des Moines, Iowa, what's there? You know, and I went, okay. So I told Chris that, and this was in October. And I said, guess what? Lord's going to move us to Iowa because of your job. And he goes, there's nothing in Iowa for me through this company. There's nothing there that you didn't hear right. I go, no, I heard right. I said, so I got to replace the carpet and I want to get the house stage and get it ready. Cause he said the first quarter of next year will be in Des Moines. And he goes, honey, you got that wrong. And I'm like, 
okay, you know, batting average. I don't know. So I got the carpet in and just before Christmas, Chris's boss calls him in the office and said, Chris, I've got something strange to tell you, but we really, I really want to move you. And I need to do this for this reason. And it's going to be in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> wow. And he goes, how, how would your wife think about that? And Chris was, wow. He said, my mouth just dropped. And I she said, already yeah. knows. Yeah, like my wife's already there. <laughs> he said, wow. It's fine with that. Mm. She already knows. He goes, how could she already know? And he goes, never mind. Yeah, right, right. That's hilarious. So Michelle, let's so, fast mm-hmm. forward. Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, okay. So you guys make that move. Uh, you're still in a pretty good place in your marriage, but he's struggling with PS, uh, PTSD. So what led up to that time when he took his own life? What what was playing out? Okay, so we got, and then after Des Moines, Iowa, I noticed some things in Des Moines where he was not handling stress very well. Things were getting harder for him. And I, and honestly, if you would say to me, Michelle, did your husband have PTSD? I would say, no, I don't think so. Mm. Right when he got home, absolutely. For about a year, I saw the behavior, but I wasn't really seeing it. But that's the crazy thing about it. It's such an internal thing that you don't always see it. And I was kind of blind to that. I was and very I, blind to that. And a lot of people have PTSD that never went oh, sure, in the military, sure. right? Yes. So it's this a is a trauma. very important trauma. conversation to have yeah. because some yeah. people may not, you know, pick up on the signs of their loved one or a child or whatever that may have PTSD. So this is um, yeah. great to, to hear how you first noticed. Yeah. Um, it's trauma. I mean, if you don't heal trauma, it will stick with you and it will eat away at parts of you until, and it can be very healed. I mean, and what they will say about PTSD that all, this is what the secular world says. All you could do is manage it. It's not, you can't heal from it. So Chris would come home from his secular treatments and say, well, I just going to have to manage this. I'll never be healed from it. I said, that's not true. That's what the world tells you. The Lord can heal and has and will. And so, um, but I saw his behavior start to change and we ended up moving back to Minneapolis because he went to a new division of this company where he could live anywhere in the blueprint United States. So we decided to come back to Minneapolis because um, our families are here and our son was my son. I was married once before. My son was going to um, have a child. And so I wanted to be here for that. So Chris was all about it. So we moved back here. But then his job got more stressful and more stressful. And I, I saw him burdened. Um, I saw him turn inward more. And one day he said to me, Michelle, I want you to know something's wrong with me. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. And I need to get help. And I said, oh, absolutely. What can I do? What, you know, how can I help you? He goes, I really don't want you to help me. I'm just telling you, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to find help. And I said, okay, well, will you keep me abreast of things? He said, yes. So he found a psychiatrist. He didn't want a counselor. He wanted a psychiatrist for some reason. So he did find one and she put him on some medications, but it was depression and anxiety was building in him. And um, I could see it and I was concerned about it and I wanted to be there for him, but he kind of kept me at arm's length. 
And then eventually he got, he lost his job, that corporate job that was huge. And it was, it was compliance with a big bank. And he was the head of the whole compliance division of this bank. And it ended up being a disaster. And Chris was very broken by how he got let go. And he was actually fired. And I don't know all that went on on their end, but I do know that I saw the behavior changes at home, a lot more controlling, a lot more on not able to handle anything out of his routine. He got to be very regimented in his day. So in the morning, he always had the same breakfast, same time, coffee, everything was always the same and it got more and more so. And I would say, hey, honey, could you run down and grab the dog food bag out of the basement and bring it up for me? He, could, he couldn't do that. He would say, no, because that's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this isn't good. But he had yeah. already sought help. So I'm trusting the choices that he had made for his health, although he went only the secular route. And I did explain I wanted, you know, prayer ministry and other, you know, get Jesus involved and the Holy Spirit involved in his care. And he didn't go that route. Yeah, yeah. Free will and uh, traumas and stuff. Do you feel that you were starting to see some telltale signs that would eventually lead to where he ended up? Did you have any inkling that he's in a position he might take his own life? No. Mm. You know, as a trauma nurse, and as a trauma nurse, yeah, we deal with trauma physical but we also dealt with emotional trauma. So we would have people who made attempts at suicide and they came in and they were our patients and they would sometimes stay with us for two to three weeks until we could find a placement for them to keep them safe from harming themselves. So I'm not a stranger to the situation. And crisis first responder you've been. Yes. Yeah. You know, and how did I miss it? And I think I missed it because, you know, Chris would be like, oh, you know, it's time for bed. And he'd go check all the doors, make sure they were locked. And then he'd go, yeah, I'm gonna go check them again. And he started carrying a gun because he wanted protection. So he had his conceal and carry. And then he added a knife to the inside of his ankle. He started doing these behaviors that were not good. And I knew he was all about getting harmed. We would go to a movie, you know, and then we're having these shootings and that's not ha- you know, helping him in the world. But we'd go to a movie and we'd sit down in the theater and he would create a plan. Okay, if a shooter comes out, this is what we're going to do. And I had to listen and I had to comply or he couldn't enjoy himself. So this kind of stuff was happening. Now he lost his job. That was a huge hit to him. And not only did he lose it, but how he lost it, how they handled it. Mm-hmm. And it was injustice. It definitely was. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, I think that was the that tipping was, point. That was the tipping point. Mm-hmm. But I also think the, the uh, PTSD was rearing its ugly head for other reasons, which probably also contributed to him losing his job. Yeah. Yeah. But either exactly. way I missed it. And I think it's because I kept thinking he was afraid to be harmed. So he would never harm himself. Interesting. And how did he take his life? He hung himself. Um, We have the TRX straps, you know, those black and yellow ones you see in the gym. He had those suspended in his ceiling in his office, and that was one of his workouts. So that's what he used. 
Wow. So obviously hardly able to find the words to describe how, you know, how you would have responded to the shock, the, the hurt, the pain, the, uh, even the feelings of guilt. Could I have helped to prevent this? How did you get through all of that? Because that's quite a pathway to navigate so that you could break free from yeah. those kinds of negative emotions that could pull you down. You know, I was talking to somebody today who shared a story about one of his closest friends who um, just committed suicide just last week. Oh, same, gosh. same age as me. And he said, you know, how do you get through it? And I said, you know, are you feeling, you feel this great uh, pain of the loss mm -hmm. of life, you know, also you realize that's my husband, you know, he's gone and the way he died. And, and you think about the moments before, what were they thinking? All this stuff. And then this rage comes in too, mm. because he left me again. Mm. Oh, I forgot to tell you that when we moved back to Minneapolis, he moved out for a year because he said, I'm not doing well. I'm not, a, and I'm not a yeah. good husband. I know I'm not a good husband. So I need to leave to become a good husband. And wow. I can't do that living with you. And I go, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, so, it's gotta be just so hard just to know the, the inner turmoil that yeah. Chris was going through. And yes. while none, it's not your doings or your fault or any of that, it's, it could be easy for someone like yourself to just carry the weight of that. And that's where Jesus comes in. And I know yes. he has carried the weight of this for you on so many yes. levels. And so that's been the big breakthrough. And that is what has led you to write this memoir, which is called His Last Breath, A Soldier, His Wife, and The Man. I need to like put that and underline The Man That yeah. Saved Them Both. And yeah. that is a beautiful title to your book. Um, where can people find this memoir? Well, it's actually about to be published, so it's not ready yet. Okay. I'm still in the throes of it, but it just got done with editing. And when it's I'm, ready. Um, Can they go to Michelle? So Arnold, I will let you Arnoldy. know. Arnoldy.com? Huh? Maybe, maybe your name.com, MichelleArnoldy.com? Yes, yes. I'm, I haven't set, set that up yet. Okay. This interview is probably a little too soon for promoting. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. But Talk it is out you. there. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's uh, Jesus wrote the book. That's right. And that, yeah. that's what we wanted to share, Michelle, is, is yeah. that this breakthrough is, is so over and beyond what you could do on your own. It's, it's yeah. Jesus through and through. And so I know that our listeners um, are going to be able to find a relatable um, breakthrough for their own situation that may not be in, in the same kind of light, but like thinking, wow, if Michelle can get through this and not be bitter or resentful or guilt ridden, then I can get through X, Y, Z in my own life. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. And I do, th it was a moment where I was feeling this burden for 10 months of grieving. And I just went, you know what? I miss me. I miss serving you, Lord. I miss joy. I miss so many things. I'm just going to give you my grief, the burden that's heavy. And I went like this and threw my hands up in the air and said, Jesus, just take it from me. Your yoke is light. Beautiful. And immediately I felt it. Mm. And I've never gone back. Wow. It was real. He took it from me. That's the breakthrough. And isn't yeah. that so true for every single one of us? We get to these places where we cannot control it. We've kind of run the gamut of emotions. We've had all these in-depth conversations with God, trying to change his mind on things. And finally, we get to a place of saying, you know what, God, I'm going to believe your love for me 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to let go of all of this stuff and just trust you and follow you. You're a yes. prime example of that, Jill. And we appreciate your story yeah. and, uh, and hope you. that the, the, the memoir does really well because I think there'll be tremendous encouragement and hope that's being offered. So thank yeah. you again for sharing. Yes. You're welcome. Thank we you for having you. me. Yes. God bless you. And thank, thank you. you all for tuning in to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. Um, please go and, and share this episode, like it. Um, and do all the things so people can find out uh, this this incredible story of how Jesus uh, is is just redemptive in our in our situations through Michelle's story. So God bless you and thank you for tuning in. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.